I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello, you are listening to the number one The Weight Loss Podcast on the internet. That's right. Of all the podcasts called The Weight Loss Podcast, we're the best. <laughs> yes. My name is Matt, and that giggle you just heard is the voice of the co-host. Wait, who am I kidding? My name's Matt. I'm the slave, and the voice you just heard is my master, Courtney. Hello, oh, wife. Please, How are you going? How you please. going? I'm excellent. Thank you. How are you? Me. I love how we say that. We're basically saying that just for the podcast, because we know how each other are, because we live with each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is when you get on a podcast or you get on the phone or something and you just say, hi, how are you? Even though you know how the person is because you've seen them already multiple times today. What have we got on and said, how are you going? And you said like, I'm shit. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone ever expects to have that response when you ask someone right, how right, they all right, are. All right, all right, hang on, hang on. Ready? You're listening to the best, the number one the weight loss podcast on the internet. My name's Matt. I'm here with my wife and boss, Courtney. Courtney, how are you going? I'm crap. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I fucking hate life. It's just funny, isn't it? How you don't even realise it. But it's, it's Easter it's... and we're surrounded by chocolate eggs. It is Easter. And, and all that good stuff and we're just crap. It is Easter... I like Easter. I, I really like Easter as a holiday. I like holidays. I like holidays too. <laughs> I don't like Easter as much as I like Christmas, but I do okay. like Easter. So can you can you please give myself and our beloved listeners the Courtney Holiday Power Index, the <laughs> top five holidays every year as rated by you in order, go. Well, Christmas... I think Christmas is number one for me. I really like Christmas. And I think Christmas and New Year's fall into the same category for me because I see it as like one Well, it's one period of thing. the year. So you say Christmas, New Year, would I you? I would say Christmas, New Year's okay. is number one for me. And number two. I think number two is definitely Easter. I really like Easter. And then I think number three might be um, like Melbourne Cup. Why? I don't know. I really like Melbourne Wait, Cup. Um, just... For those listening that aren't in Australia, sorry, Australia. Or Melbourne. Or everyone in Australia knows what Melbourne Cup is. <laughs> but for those that aren't in Australia, what is the Melbourne it's Cup? It's a horse race. It's a horse race or is it the it horse race? It is the race? horse race that they say, the horse race that stops the nation. No, it's, it's a... It is uh, the biggest horse have, race in the country. We have a big horse race uh, sort of um, carnival each year, which uh, is around the October, November, late October, The first Tuesday in November, November is the Melbourne Cup. 
The first Tuesday every November is the Melbourne Cup. It is a big, big race, and we get a public holiday in Melbourne. Here in Melbourne, because funnily enough, the Melbourne Cup is held where? In Melbourne. <laughs> okay. Now, what is the number four holiday in the Courtney Holidays Power Index? I think it could be the day before the um, AFL Grand Final, just because it's funny that we get a holiday for that. Right. So the AFL Grand Final is AFL is like Australian rules football. So. It, the AFL... Otherwise known as our religion here in Melbourne. ...is huge. It, the, uh, the AFL Grand Final is like our Super Bowl, even though it's like nothing like the Super Bowl. Um, it's pretty in, big though. In terms of... Yeah, we don't have really big pop stars that come and sing It's, on it's it, a though. big spectacle. It's a big... It's big for us. So it's like our Super Bowl and we get the day... And that's always on a Saturday. It's the and last Saturday generally, the last Saturday in November. September. September, sorry. Wow. And... Where's it held? Here at Melbourne. Here in Melbourne. Everything's in Melbourne. And we get the Friday the day before as a public holiday. So we get that off work too. So that's probably my power rankings, which I'm sure our listeners are really excited to hear. Hang on. The start of this podcast. What's number five? Oh, I didn't know there was a fifth one. Well, I did say the top five. Oh, so well, then you've got to go Australia five. Day. You've got to go Australia Day. Australia Day. Australia Day is good because it is the 26th of January. So you only go back to work after Christmas, New Year's periods for a couple of weeks. Like a week and a half. And then you get another public <laughs> holiday. It's just one day, but still, it it's always greatly received. So that would be my, um, yeah, that would be my power ranking. So um, super, like, interesting start to this week's podcast. Well, since you asked, <laughs> uh, my top five would be Christmas, Easter, Queen's birthday, Oh, I forgot about because Queen's, Queen's birthday. birthday falls in the middle of the year and it splits the year nicely. Yeah. And um, if you don't live in Australia, let's just say the front, the first six months of every year for Australians is pretty much feels like a public holiday every five to ten minutes. Yeah. And Queen's birthday is the last one before, well, for most of us before Christmas. Yeah. So Queen's birthday is a big favorite of mine, and obviously Australia Day. Yes. Uh, and I will also go the grand final because it is so unnecessary. So it's just so funny that we would get a public holiday for that. that like the day before it even. Like it's, it's not even on it. It's, it's very the day it's, before. It's very Australian. Yeah. Like there's something big happening. Let's take off the day before. I think it's only Melbourne that get that public holiday It's too. a Victorian one. Um, yeah. New South Wales gets one after the rugby league grand final. They get the Monday off. Oh, so it's like hangover. Like... We'll give you a day off because you're all going to call in sick anyway, sort of thing. Yeah. But we have to give. I have to give an honourable mention to Anzac Day. Oh my God! How, How do we, we forget? forget How do we day? both forget oh, Anzac Day? Oh, oh, should we restart the show? I think we, we need won't. to restart. No. Anyway, um, Anzac Day is a given. Anzac Day is. Um, um, so, so Courtney and I would like to announce that we're fake Australians. Uh, we have both forgotten probably our most treasured public holiday every single year, which is Anzac Day. Um, so, whoops, this has got awkward. Yes. So, let's quickly try and moonwalk this back. Courtney, what's today's topic about, please? Let's to- save face. All right. Moving on to why we're actually here, and this isn't called... The Public Holiday Podcast. The Public Holiday Podcast of Australia. This is actually called the Weight Loss Podcast because And we- it's the best weight loss... The be- Sorry, the best The Weight Loss Podcast. Yes, it's the best podcast called The Weight Loss Podcast in the world. Uh, I believe that's been proven in research. 
am 100% facts-based. It's, it's, it's science, baby. Yep. So Check it out on Google. Today we are talking about Matt's biggest struggles. Here we go. I know, let's get down to the nitty-gritty because this is actually really, even though we've had a bit of a slow start to this uh, this podcast, this is actually going to be a really interesting uh, topic and I'm really looking forward to getting um, a little bit more information from Matt. So Matt had a great idea a couple of weeks ago that we should both he and I should write down what um, we feel our biggest struggles have been. Uh, we did podcasts in the past about what we felt like um, were our biggest lessons learned along the way, but um, this one is about our biggest struggles. So it, a lot of these things I think uh, a lot of you will maybe connect with, maybe feel like that that's maybe something that you're going through now or that you've been through in the past. And it's always really good to hear from other people about a what they've been through because I think we all get stuck in the mindset of feeling like we go through struggles alone and we're the only one in the entire planet that's ever been through a struggle. And B, we often get stuck into thinking like there may only be one way out and it's always really good to hear how other people have gone about doing things because we get ideas for ourselves. So that is why I'm really looking forward to this podcast. There's also, uh, that is very well said, there's also another reason why I wanted us to do this, which is pretty much to put to bed the assumptions that mm. get made about Courtney and I because we're PTs. Mm. Uh, the assumption is that for those that have, that either have just first met us and don't know where we come from, the first assumption is, oh, well, fit, strong, healthy. It's always, it's always come easy to them and they've never had to, to go through any sort of battles to get to where they are. The other assumption that I've actually found that I, I personally have got quite a lot is uh, Matt, Matt has had his challenges, but he's overcome them easily. Mm. Bull fucking shit to mm. that. So as, as with what Courtney said before about offering up the fact that these issues that we've gone through personally are very relatable and they're not, they're not individual, as in when, there's not one person that goes through this stuff. They are sort of universal with people that are working to lose weight and to get in better shape, improve their health and confidence, etc. But just from a personal standpoint, let's put to bed the assumptions that it comes easy to us because no, it fucking doesn't. No. And I think it's also good to put those assumptions to bed when it comes to looking at anybody else, not just Matt and I. From the outside in, it's always really easy to come up with assumptions. And and we're all guilty of it. I mean, I've been guilty of it. Matt's been guilty of it. We're all guilty of making assumptions about other people. Um, But this is always just a really good reminder to that you you don't know everything that goes on in other people's worlds. (laughs) And full disclosure, I do like the idea of when it happens in the future, which is going to... Mm. When someone says to me, oh, well, you don't make mistakes or you don't get things wrong or, or you don't have battles, I can just copy and paste the link and say, here, go and listen to this and shut up. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, with that in mind. Now, can I also just put a bit of a, a sort of preface with this? Sure. So there are um, eight, eight things that I'm going to dig into uh, from my own background. I've laid them out for Courtney to sort of introduce in chronological order. 
because the thing is as well that I want to, a point I want to make with this whole episode is that these particular struggles that I've had weren't all there at the start. Mm. They've come up over time as I've progressed and developed both personally and with my career as well. So as you guys are going to find out, for example, like I'm not going to spoil what it is, but the last, the last struggle that I've had, which has been one of the biggest ones, there was no problem with that at the start. Yeah. So this is done in chronological order. So the idea is that Courtney will introduce them. I will give some background of how they were holding me back. And then in true The Weight Loss Podcast style, then talk about what I've done to deal with them. Yes. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So these are, these are the, the biggest struggles that I've had um, pretty much in my life to this point mm. in chronological order. Uh, let's take it away. Uh, Courtney, right. your favorite public holidays are what? <laughs> I've done that. Sorry. That was actually pretty funny. So anyway, moving on for the number one, let's start with Matt's first biggest struggle. That didn't really make sense. But anyway, um, number one, fear of being seen in public. Yes. So when I was younger for quite a long time, I had severe anxiety and it would manifest itself in the worst possible way whenever I was in public. Uh, so if you, you haven't met me, I do, I do tend to stand out in public. I'm not just built very powerfully, I'm rather tall. Yes. So if you think of a red-headed Brock Lesnar, you're probably on the money. Yeah, well, you're just like you're, you look like a, a football player. Like you're as are you tall as the Gronk the what's his name Gronk Gronkowski yeah Rob Gronkowski yeah uh, a little bit taller a little bit taller so for those Americans out there think of the Patriots player football player the Gronk Matt is a little bit taller than him I could easily I could easily play tight end or defensive end on yes. an NFL field if, but I'm nowhere near that athletic anyway so hence stands out in a crowd so the whole point is I do stand out in a crowd now. I'm fine with that now because as I get into it in this episode, I've overcome that. But at the start, when I was at my heaviest um, and my weakest mentally, the idea of being seen in public really scared the crap out of me. Um, and that became an issue whenever I would have to go out with friends, uh, with family or to work because I always felt that I was being judged. Mm. So uh, I would do my best to, shall we say, dress down. But the thing is, when you're heavily overweight, you can't. There's not. There's nothing slimming. No. So all I was doing was wearing was wearing parachutes. Mm. Uh, so I dressed down to try and avoid attention, but it didn't help me mentally. So I always felt um, like people were looking at me and people were judging me. I think, in hindsight, it was mostly how I felt about myself. Mm. Uh, but that was that was a big issue, and I would occasionally have um, panic attacks. Yeah, right. So I remember times where I would have to, I would be going to work because it would be probably no surprise to anyone that knows me to learn that I used to work in video game stores when I was younger. <laughs> um, and I'd be going in. I remember one time in particular, I used to work in a store that was located in um, a major shopping center. So a lot of foot traffic, a lot of people, and that's not a good place for someone to be when they're not like being seen in public. And I remember a couple of times in particular going in for my shift 
and being sort of so overwhelmed by nervousness, anxiety, etc., I'd go home and call in sick. Mm. I wasn't sick at all. Yeah. I just I just didn't feel that I was up to the idea of being of being seen in public and being judged. Yeah, so I mean in the end it really affects not just uh you from a confidence standpoint. It's it's really affecting your entire life because it's affecting your productivity, it's affecting your social life, it's affecting the fact that you can't really hold down a a, a good job. Because I mean, any other job might have just get sick of you calling in sick all the time and just say, nah, he doesn't want the job, so mm-hmm. we'll get rid of him. So it really affects sort of all areas of your life. I didn't. It didn't happen that much. That was at its worst. Okay. Um, there were quite a few times where I was able to sort of you know push through it, but. Then I would have the issues where when I would sort of I would feel really anxious about being seen in public and going to work, I would sweat profusely on the job. Right. Um, even in, in you know full air conditioning, I would just uncontrollably sweat mm. the whole shift and it was awkward. Well it's embarrassing, really. The sweating well the, I wasn't embarrassed because I was sweating, I was embarrassed because of why I was sweating. Yeah, okay. So I was so nervous of having to talk to people. And being seen by people, I would just sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat, mm. even when it wasn't hot. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not good at all then for, for confidence as well. So in in saying that, Matt, how did you then overcome that struggle? That one, I didn't have any real strategy that worked. It was just a case of over time, as I felt better about myself... I felt more comfortable being seen in public because I think that's what it came down to. Mm. It, In the end, no matter what you look like, some people will look at you, some people won't even know you're there. Yes. That just, that's just the way it is. Um, I think this is just an issue where it was a reflection of how I felt about myself. And as I started to make progress and I could feel it, I could see it, uh, I just felt more confident about going out in public. Well, that's a good point also that you make, Matt, where when you were at your heaviest and you were having these panic attacks and you feared being out in public, did you not have, were you not able to have that rational thought in saying, you know what, some people, sometimes people are going to look at you uh, for different reasons and sometimes people aren't going to know you're, oh, you're that, even there. That was the furthest thing from so my mind. So you don't have that rational thought, I, I would think. I didn't, know. So you would, you would constantly be thinking that everyone's looking at you. Yes, because I was so down on myself yeah. and so unhappy, the thought was, shit, everyone's judging me. Everyone's, what am I doing yeah. here? Yep. And I think that's a really, really common fear and a co- common problem with a lot of people. Um, and it may not even necessarily be because of their weight. It may just be because there's something different physically about them and it plays on their mind. And I'm a bit the same with that as well. I can... Um, remember times where I didn't have that clarity that I do now in, in being able to go out and just say that, you know what? And, and and sometimes you're walking out and you might look really hot. Like you might look really good. And sometimes people are looking at you, but it's not because of the reasons you think they are. They might also think you look really good. They might be looking at you because they really like your outfit. Like I know for myself, you know, you walk through a shopping center and you see someone, I see other girls or something like that. And I, and I take another look because I think, oh, that's a really cute skirt. I wonder where she got that from, you know? So it, um, I think we're in, when, when you're in a bad uh, headspace, it's really easy to turn all of those different looks and, and things like that into the, into the negative where they're not always negative. 
Sometimes some people are taking second glances at you because because you look good or because they like what you're wearing. Funny thing is now, I notice now more people looking at me than I did back then. I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I like that one. We're off to a good start. All right, let's move on to number two, which is excuse excuses not to exercise. Yes. So the next challenge was once I got to a, uh, having a gym membership was actually getting to the gym. <laughs> Stop me if you've heard that one before. Yes. The wasted gym membership. Um, I remember distinctly uh, the first few times I walked into a gym where it was just like, what am I doing in here? Mm. The gym is where the fit people go. The gym is where the people that are already in great shape go. What am I doing here? I'm a fat fish out of water. Yeah, such a common thing that we hear, isn't it? Yeah, and then it it got even worse because here's me as a complete gym rookie. And yes, everyone starts as a rookie. Um, I'm looking at these strong guys and strong girls doing their weight training and I'm like, well, I want to do this. And I had to get help because the barbell was too heavy for me. Mm. And the barbell for a guy like me, like should pretty much be a cup of water. Yeah. But back then, because I was so out of shape and so unconditioned, couldn't even hold a barbell properly. So I had to get assistance in, um, in racking it. And that just added to anxiety I spoke about before. Yeah, yep. And being judged. And the biggest thing overall, though, was like, I'm too fat to be here. And this sounds familiar. I should lose weight before coming back. Yeah. A lot of people think that. A lot of people think that oh, I'll, just get, I'll just get a bit fitter and then I'll go to the gym. Yeah. And I think a lot of I was that, one of them. Well, Matt, was a lot of that based around, again, it was about what other people think of you. It's about, well, I'm embarrassed because I'm not, I feel like I'm not good enough to be in the gym. So uh, I'll go away and get fitter and then I'll come back. Mine was more the assumption looking at the people around me because I was, obvi- well, not obviously, but I was the worst shaped person in the gym. Mm. Shit. This is where fit people go. I'm not fit. Right. I shouldn't be here. Yep. Like I didn't belong. You didn't belong. Yeah. Yep. It's a really interesting one. It's a, it's a really hard one for a lot of people to get their head around, I think, when you've if you've never thought that because you can often be tricked into thinking, oh, well, what's the big deal? You say you want to you to do this and you say you want to lose weight. Well, of course you've got to go to the gym. So, you know, playing devil to advocate, um, Matt, that's what a lot of people would say. Well, there's also the issue for me where um, it wasn't just the gym. It was also just doing exercise so um when i eventually got serious about my exercise i would alternate weights and cardio days yes um and i nothing has changed i do find cardio exercise rather boring yes and at the time i would just say to myself oh i couldn't be stuffed doing my my exercise today i'm too bored Mm. I'll go and do something fun. So it, w- it wasn't just the gym. It was actually just doing any exercise to begin with. I would just find reasons not to go. So the fear of the big gym, which ties into the next point, was one of them. Um, the other was things like, I'm too bored. Yeah. And I do also remember quite a few times telling myself or giving myself the excuse after a big day at work, oh, you're too tired. Mm. You're too tired. 
you're too stressed. Just go tomorrow. And then tomorrow will come. Oh, it's too, it's too big a day. Start again on Monday. Just go tomorrow. Just go Monday. So anything that would come up, I would use as a sort of like a get out of jail card. Mm. Um, but it would usually revolve around either it's too boring to do, uh, I'm too stressed slash tired, or I'm too fat to be at the gym. And how did you overcome that one? Okay, so I want to address this point by point. Um, and this, actually, I'll save the gym one for the next point, Courtney. Yes. Um, yep. I'll talk in particular about um, using work as an excuse. Okay. And I'll talk also in particular about overcoming the fact that I found cardio exercise boring as batshit. Yes, okay. Okay. So the work one, um, as I started to sort of, to sort of get more serious about, about things, um, it was realizing that shit, Leaving it till after work to go to the gym is a bit of a challenge. Mm. So what's the solution? I'd go before work. Yep. Now, sometimes that wouldn't work depending on, on rosters and schedules, etc. So the other strategy that I put into place, because what I used to do was I would have work, then go home. Mm. Then I would go, it's time to go to the gym. Uh, too tired, mate. Yeah. So that's where I would actually take my change of clothes into work with me. Cut out that middle step. Tuck, tuck, cut out the middle step. So rather than going from work, home, gym, it would be work, gym, home. Mm. So all I would do is pack my change of clothes, pack my shoes, etc., cetera, uh, into the car. And then once my shift ended at work, Go to the car, grab my stuff, go to the change room or the toilets, whatever. And okay, th- there's no excuse now. Take a detour. And that also tied in to the boredom part because then the next challenge was, oh, doing this stuff in the gym is so boring because most gyms don't play the sort of music or the sort of content that I like. So just for reference, I like, depending on what I'm doing, I'm either listening to a podcast, an audio book, bad 80s music, (laughs) bad slash good, or metal. Yes. Depending on the session I'm doing. So have a guess what I didn't own back then. Headphones? Headphones. (laughs) That is a no-no. How Uh, do you not own headphones? Mate, how did I not a lot of things back then? Um, I invested in a pair of headphones, nothing overly flash, just a pair of headphones. Um, and this is where one of the biggest things that helped me was back then. Um, this is like the early part of the, of the 2000s. Podcasts did exist in their sort of um, infancy. It's not like now where you, you know, browse to iTunes, browse to Spotify and search up <clears throat> the weight loss podcast and just subscribe to it. What you'd have to do back then was say I wanted to listen to a podcast about, I don't know, pick it at random, video games. Wouldn't have guessed that one, would you? No. Um, say I wanted to listen to a podcast about retro video games. Might be a shock there, Courtney. Ugh. What you would have to do is, you, because there was no iTunes, there was no Spotify, like streaming didn't exist, you'd have to go to the website, download the MP3 file to your computer. And then transfer it to my uh, newfangled MP3 player. 
my big 32 megabyte storage MP3 player. Listen to it that way. But guess what? It made all the difference. So overcoming that issue by simply having something that distracted my, my brain, if that makes sense. And it, it, it either would distract it or, I mean distract it in a good way. Because when I, when I do, for example, cardio exercise, it's so fucking boring. I need to be mentally distracted while I'm doing it. Mm. When I'm doing weights, I need something to fire me up mm. to go after it. So having the headphones, having the MP3 player was that sort of distraction slash um, rev up that I needed to make it a sustainable thing because I would go, oh, well, I'm looking forward to doing this because I can, you know, listen to the best of Hall and Oates yeah. in a weight session, jokes. Hmm. Or am I? Uh, Not joking. Or, or listen to, um, you know, the next episode of my favorite, my favorite sports podcast. Yeah. While going for a run or something like that. Um, so that really helped me overcome the excuses not to exercise as well as um, using work as the excuse, you know, taking my clothes with me and just changing around the order. Yep. Cool. That makes sense. Yep. So moving on, which um, this topic, well, this struggle will sort of... It flows on is from it, the last a, one. It's a transition into this one, which is scared of big gyms. Yeah, so I'll be quick on this one because I sort of covered it on the last discussion. Mm. So as I said, um, felt like a fish out of water and thought I need to be fitter before coming back. What actually helped me a lot um, with this was I had a bit of a moment of clarity, believe it or not, one time. And it just occurred to me looking around the gym, what just watching people do their thing in the gym everyone's actually here for the same purpose. Yes. It's not just me that doesn't like or wants to improve what I am. That's why we're here to begin with. That, that sort of moment of clarity basically removed that whole fear. Yes. Because in the end, no matter how good someone looks in your eyes, and this is where you can say that, you know, some people can think to themselves, oh, why are they here? They already look really good. Well, guess what? They want to improve. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I realized I have, at worst, that one thing in common with every single person that goes to a gym, no matter how experienced they are, no matter what shape they're in. 100%. And when that dawned on me, it just, bang, gone. That issue just went away. And then it felt like, oh, I belong here as much as the next person because I'm also here on a path of improvement. And with that in mind, it disappeared overnight. Love that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that before and I've often had to explain it to people when they say things like what you just said, Matt, like, oh, why is she or he here? You know, they've already got a great body or they're, they're not fat or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's always been big for me to remind people that just because they may not be a size 22, they might be a size 12, there's still something about their body that they don't like. Always. And that they want to improve. Yep. Whether it might not be that they're exercising for fat loss. It might be they're exercising to change the shape of their body because Both. they're just not happy with the with their shape or lack of shape and they want to get some shape. Um, or they're also then refining little things like, you know, want to get get more roundness to the shoulders. Correct. Or get, get a bit bigger through the lats to make the hips look smaller. So I've often said never, never discount anybody's support just because they're not necessarily starting at the same size you are. Because what whatever fat people have to lose, 
It doesn't matter as much as the fact that there's that they can relate to you in the way that there's just something about their bodies that they're not happy with and they're also willing to put in the hard work to change it. Yeah, so that that honestly was probably the easiest one on this list to overcome because it just dawned on me, shit, we're all here for the same reason. I like it when those sort of things just dawn on you. I, I've had a lot of experiences like that over my time where mm. not necessarily had to... Uh, learn a lesson over a really long period of time. It's taken me a long time to get to the point where I've learned the lesson. But in terms of learning the lesson, it just sort of like, it just sort of hits you over the head one day and you just sort of have this moment of clarity where you just think really clearly and you can just see things for what they are. Mm-hmm. So I really like it. All right, moving on. Next one, time management. Yes. Okay. This was a tough one for me because. Anyone that knows me will know I my biggest hobby away from the gym is video games. Yes. I've grown up playing video games since I was a very young child. Um, Collect and vintage video games. I'm now a collector as well, and I take pride and joy in that. Um, it's just something I love to do that, that recharges the batteries away from my career. So I've got two passions with that. My work is a passion, but work is work. Yes. Um, this is my personal passion that, let, that lets me disconnect and unplug, so to speak. However, it worked against me for a long time in that the draw of playing video games would kill things like productivity um, and kill workouts. Mm. I'd cut workouts short if I went to go home and play games or I just wouldn't go. Uh, the new Donkey Kong's out. I'm going to go buy that and go home and play that instead. Hmm. And that was actually a big deal for me. So everyone has different time management issues. Um, this was mine. Yeah. So rather than do what I know I had to do, I'll do the fun stuff. Mm. Let's go play some games, mate. And it would have an effect because, well, I'd miss workouts. Yeah. You'd lose track of time I'll, while you're playing them. And Well, that, that's where it also affects eating food. Yeah. So I could go, um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hours without eating a damn thing. Yeah. And As not we- feel hungry because you're so distracted. I'm so in the moment Yeah. with what I'm doing with the hobby, I just don't think about it. Yep. Now, how do I overcome that? That to me, well, look at it this way. I, I haven't stopped playing games. It's still my number one hobby. I now, well, what I've been doing for a long time now is using the hobby as a reward. Mm. So I would then say to myself, look, I shouldn't have to give up my hobby because that's complete fucking bullshit. However, I should rather use it as an incentive. So do what you have to do, then as a reward, go and do the things you want to do. Mm. So, for example, I. Rather than go home and play video games, go to the gym, get your session in, do your very best, go home, have your food, then have some fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really good one as well because we hear it quite often, Matt, don't we, about time management with a lot of different people. A lot of people have that problem when they're at work and they just sit down and they get engrossed in what they're doing or they get busy and then they don't think to eat. So Mm -hmm. then they'll go all day without eating anything um you know it's funny you mentioned that i had that as an issue yeah when i worked in the office um just as as a quick little detour i overcame that by setting alarms in my phone yeah that's a really good one that is a really good one to set alarms in your phone 
I had that a little bit when, when I used to work, but how I overcame it was I would go into work knowing how many meals I had to have for the day. And I would sort of pre-schedule in my mind when I was going to take those breaks. So even when I got busy, there was something already in my mind thinking, oh, I'm supposed to do something at one o'clock, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, oh yeah, that's why I'm supposed to eat lunch. So it was, um, yeah, that that's sort of how I overcome it. But but time management, I think, is one of those one of those areas where a lot of people struggle, whether it be at work, whether it be family life with the children, whether it be travel. A lot of people travel for work these days. Um, so making exercise and nutrition a priority during our hectic um, lifestyles that we lead these days. Yeah, I find that when it comes to, on the subject of time management, just simplification mm. helps overcome those, or helps manage those things really, really well. Don't try and do it all at once. Um, or don't try and do things, you know, like do everything as best as you can. Just simplify it and just do the basics and do them well. Yeah. Cool. I like it. Okay, so time management, moving on to over-exercising. Okay. This was your next struggle. Yes, well, when I decided to actually do exercise and do it consistently, I then took it too far. So I said um, in the past that I got to the stage where I was doing three hours a day, six days a week. Mm. So that would be a 45-minute run to the gym, an hour and a half uh, weight session, but mostly talking, <laughs> uh, and a 45-minute run home, Monday to Saturday. Mm. And I'd take Sunday off. And then do it all over again. And I was under the impression that more is better. Yeah. You know, if you can do 15 minutes, do 20. If you can do 20 minutes, do 25. And I took this to the extreme. Yes. So I somehow was able to sustain 18 hours a day a week three hours a day six days a week for a couple of years really mm-hmm. um and there is there are some people out there that will tell you that you can't over exercise well the science in the human body says yes you fucking can mm. and i'm living proof of it because what helped me overcome that was just admitting to myself nothing's fucking changing mm. So what's the point of grinding away, putting in all these hours, if you're not getting out what you're putting it in for to begin with? Yeah. And that's actually what led to my big snap point and having a massive meltdown was when it finally occurred to me, I've put in all this time and effort, but I've focused it in the wrong way. Mm. And I put all the effort on doing more and more and more and more and more exercise. And guess what I didn't address? Habits. My habits away from exercise. Mm. So I do all this exercise and use it as an excuse to go home and smash burger rings, yeah. Coke and ice cream. Well, a lot of people do Daily. that, don't they? They they play off exercise for trade rubbish off. food. Trade off, yeah. Use use it as a trade off, and I tried this and just did more and more exercise to trade off for more and more and more bad food, and nothing changed. Um, and that led to the gigantic meltdown that really, you know, sort of changed my life in a good way. Um, but I had to go through the the hard lessons to learn it. Mm. I I think the only thing that sort of saved me from really hurting myself back then was I was so poorly conditioned, I couldn't push myself the way that I do now. Like, have I tried that now? Mm. And like, you've seen the way I can exercise now, Courtney. If I tried three hours a day now, six days a week, I'd break myself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just not sustainable. It's it's something that eventually your body's going to break down. You're going to cause yourself injuries. Uh, with injuries, then comes frustration, uh, 
possibly time off exercising and then you lose your momentum and then it becomes this really uh, terrible cycle. Um, But there's also uh, psychological problems that can come with over-exercising as well. Yeah, and and worst of all, no changing. Yeah, absolutely, Which, which is devastating for someone who, if you're working your ass off and you're literally not changing, then... You know, that, that again, that, that just leads to you throwing in the towel and saying, well, it's all too hard. I tried. It doesn't work. Nothing works. And just going back to doing nothing. Yep. So, yeah, really good point there, Matt. So did we talk about, you know, we, we anything else on that topic before we move on? In terms of how I overcame it. Well, it was oh, yes. How did you overcome it? Admitting to myself that it wasn't working because I wasn't changing. So yeah. you keep doing what you're doing and it's not working. You're going to keep getting the same thing. It's good that you were able to have that clarity though because a lot of people don't have that. Well, that clarity came by having a fucking meltdown. Okay. <laughs> so it came It came in the end, but it, but it was a, a bit of pill to swallow, um, but it led to a lot of personal growth. Yeah. Um, it led to me having a discussion um, with my gym owner at the time who I trusted very, very, very well and I we had a good relationship and I said, look, I've been doing this. It clearly hasn't been working. Can you help me? Yeah, good. Um, so ha- having that sort of uh, courage to say, this ain't working, let's try something different. And it is, and it does take a lot of courage and it uh, and it's a perfect thing to do, but you're right, a lot of people don't see it as easy about asking for help. Yeah, I was too stubborn to be, to be honest, I think I was too stubborn and tried to just keep knocking the wall down mm. over and over and over again rather than go, you know what, why am I doing this? Mm. So we got there eventually, um, but it came via a big breakdown, but it's all worked out rather well. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> um, but admitting, admitting that it wasn't working and then asking people that I knew, knew more about this than me for help, helped with that. Beautiful. Love it. All right, next one. Beating myself up for making mistakes. Yes. Sounds very common. Yes. So this is, <laughs> stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> I put the pressure on myself to be perfect and make no mistakes and get everything right first time. Oh. Oh my God. Winner. How did happens. that not work for you? Yeah, I know. Um, and, and this, yeah, would it, would it surprise you to learn that that didn't actually help me? Nothing. It didn't help me at all. But the issue was, um, I would, as I was making improvements to myself personally and, and my whole life was on the way up, I started to expect myself to nail everything first time mm. and be good at everything and not make any mistakes, etc. And that's where I would get very, very, very down on myself and beat myself up for screwing something up mm. or getting something wrong, even answering the, a question wrong, you know? But it would then extend my mistakes in my mind would extend to workouts. Oh, this workout wasn't as good as the last one. Oh, what a fuck up. You're an idiot. Right, okay. So you just You're berate useless. yourself basically. All the time. Yeah. Um, it almost became at this, the stage where I would use negative reinforcement. Oh, you're useless. You've got to get better at this. Yeah, okay. Everyone's against up. me. So you're... I've got to show them. Um, that was later. Right. Um, this was more a case of you always fuck things up. Um, you're always useless. You're always going to screw it up. Mm. And then when I would make a mistake, it would just the, the voice in my head would get louder and louder and louder. Yeah. And that's where I would then just have this 
even though I was getting more confidence, I would still beat myself up a hell of a lot just for screwing something up or having an off workout or something going slightly wrong. That's so, not how it should be. So how did you identify that and change it? Um, pretty easy. Once I realized that, fuck, this is just how I roll in life, I have to fuck something up to get good at it. Yeah. So for me, changing it came via accepting the fact that mistakes will get made, but that all the mistakes that I make actually make me better at things. Right. So rather than punish myself for making a mistake, I'll only get annoyed with myself if I repeat the mistake. Yeah. So my first step was to go, you know what? I'll give myself um, a bit of a grace. If I screw something up, that's fine. If I do it again, it's a problem. Yes. Because it means I haven't learned. Yeah. And then over time, um, as I've sort of matured, I've then come to where I am now is that I'm more than fine making mistakes because it means I'm, I'm about to get very good at something. Because I'm now, I now consider myself a fast learner mm. and I'll take whatever, whatever mistake I make, whatever I screw up, I'm going to learn from rather quickly and the next time I attempt it, it's going to be a lot different. Yeah, I really like that because I really, I think the main message there then is because I think when people, a lot of people hear the struggle of beating myself up for making mistakes, a lot of people's brains automatically, whether we say it out loud or not, a lot of our brains will automatically go to the idea of, oh, well, the answer is don't make mistakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Good that's, luck with that. that's often what our brains go to. That that is often what our brains will automatically think is is the straightforward answer. But there's nothing straightforward about that. So I think Matt and you being able to say, what I learnt from it was just to to learn from my mistakes and embrace the learning because when I make mistakes now I get excited because I know I'm going to learn something that's a whole other way of thinking about it then I think our brains will automatically try to get us to think our brains will auto- automatically try to just say well just don't make so many bloody mistakes and well, then you'll be okay can I make two points with this point number one is that there is a way to make no mistakes and that's to put no effort in mm. So fuck that. So as long as there is effort, there'll be mistakes. Yes. But then with um, you know reapplying that effort, there's going to be dramatic improvement. So that's point number one. You can avoid mistakes by doing nothing, but I would recommend that. The second point I would like to make is that I don't think success is as good a teacher as failure. Yeah. So I think you learn a lot more from your mistakes than you do from getting things right. Yeah. Personally. So I happily admit that the reason I'm so good at anything that I do or anything that I apply myself, so I'm very, you know, honestly, I'm very good at my job, mm. um, but I'm good at it because I fucked it all up. Correct. And I've learned from it. Uh, so I'm fine with that. And I, as, even now, if I make a mistake, it's like, okay, cool. Next time it won't happen like that, will it? No. So I get excited because it is indeed... It means there's a growth opportunity coming up. Yeah, well, it's just like in here right now in our office slash podcast studio, you have a sign up on the wall that says, forget the mistake, remember the lesson. Yep. Um, found that for sale a couple of days ago and had to buy it. And it, it is so on point. Yeah. So that's actually, that sums up the way I approach it. Um, forget the mistake, remember the lesson. I think that that's a really good lesson in itself to a lot of people because... 
Absolutely. I don't think there's a person out there that hasn't beat themselves up for mistakes that they've made. Yep. So seriously, give yourself um, a break. A bit of a break. It's fine to make mistakes. Just use them to get better. Absolutely. All right. Um, or on the home stretch here, second last one, comparing myself to others. This became an issue as I got um, more advanced at what I was doing and I was getting into my PT career. Mm. So PTs in particular have a big, a big problem with comparing themselves to each other. Yes. So I would compare myself to other PTs. Um, I compare myself personally to other people in the gym, mm. and I would spend, I would find myself spending more time telling myself what I'm not, mm. and sort of beating myself up for what I'm not, who I'm not. You know what I mean? Yes. And. I actually found that to be really, really good at undermining my confidence, making me second-guess myself, second-guess my decisions, um, and second-guess the way I was doing things in Mm. any aspect of life. And I think it actually made me worse at what I do. Yeah. Um, Because I would spend so much time saying what I'm not that I stopped focusing on what I am. Yes. And then I think as well, you get you start getting your goals and your um, dreams confused with what they are for other people. Yep. Because you're starting to compare yourself to people that most of the time you don't really know. And those people, whether you know them or not, will generally have different goals to you. Um, even if they end up having the same goal or a similar goal, they've usually uh, have a different path to get there than you have. So it's all very different. And I think you can confuse a lot of what you you're focusing too much on other people you end up confusing what you've done and where you're going um with that of somebody else yeah and i'm happy to say this is no longer an issue for me anymore that's good and the reason it's no longer an issue is, is is something i realized i might not be other people but they're not me yeah that's a really good way to look at it there's only one me and i'm the best me there is and yep. the things I the, the things I'm good at, and the strengths that I'm, I've got, I'm really fucking good at. If I can just toot my own horn for a second. Mm. Um, so rather rather than focusing on what I'm not, how about focus on what I am? And that's when I realised, okay, I'm not I'm not other people. I'm not um, other bodies, other minds, and they're not me. Yeah. And yep. as I've become more comfortable with myself. Over the years, that that's become a non-issue, because yeah, you know what, I might not be someone, but they're not Matt. Yeah, perfect. I really think that's a really good way to look at it, and I think that's a really confident way to look at it. And I think more of us need to have that confidence and I that agree. respect in ourselves. And we all have our strengths. Yeah, absolutely. everyone has our, everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. And I'm a big fan of playing to your strengths. 100%. And and taking your strengths and building on them. So strength upon strength. Yes. Is is one of my favorite sayings. So take what you're good at and get better at it. And then you become the best. Yes. So that's why, even though this may sound irrationally confident, like talking as a PT, for example, I personally believe there's no better person on earth at working with overweight people than me. Yeah. Now, there are there are different types of people out there I'm no good at. Like if you said, Matt, please coach someone to run a marathon, I could technically, but I've got no empathy for it. Mm. I'm not as good as someone who's been there and done that. Yeah. But with an overweight person, 
I'm the fucking best, honestly. Mm. But I don't want to sound like a wanker, um, but it's just come over time of realizing my strengths, but also embracing them and saying, hey, I'm allowed to acknowledge I'm good at something. Exactly. So that's that's that whole story is how I overcame that because there's only one Matt. I really like that that thought process in terms of comparing yourself to others because again, I don't think there's a person out there alive that hasn't done it at some point. Oh no, that's that's common. It was a big thing for yourself, Courtney. hundred percent. And there's only one Courtney out there. Yeah. So that one will definitely be on my struggles list yeah. because it's one that I've have gone through um, a lot in my time. So yep. yeah, really like to hear your perspective on it though. Well, thank um, you. All right. So the last one and the biggest one is the biggest one. So obviously the one that you're dealing with most recently because you said at the start these are in order so this is the one that you've been dealing with most recently which is complacency yes now this is tying into what i said at the start of the show where as you progress you can't think that oh i'll have no problems as i get in better shape and as i have success no bullshit what you're going to do is you're going to inherit new problems that come with the territory Mm. So complacency was not an issue for me at the start because mm. I had nothing to be complacent about yep. at all. Yet as I started to have success and got success physically, I've also had success um, with my career. I then started to realize, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I don't need to put in as much effort. And you don't realize it um, as you start to get complacent, but you don't realize that the wheels are coming off until they're really coming off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No one knows. No one... If, if, God, we wouldn't make so many mistakes if we could pick up on it at the start. No. So I've gotten complacent with my training. I've gotten complacent with my eating. I've gotten complacent with sleep habits. I've gotten complacent with work, mm. with, with the way I train clients, complacent with the way I coach clients. Complacent with the way I, you know, work with Courtney to promote our business. Mm. I've gotten complacent with everything you can imagine with my study. Mm. You know, because I've learned over time that for me, I can't ever allow myself to think I'm on top of the hill. I'm always at my best when I'm going up the mountain. So where complacency worked against me, well, where do I start? I mean, it's it's worked against me where I've put weight back on. It's worked against me where my ex I got lazy with exercise. I got lazy with my food habits, which leads to weight coming back on. I've got lazy with my business, which leads to my business or our business struggling. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's all easy now. No, it's fucking not. So it's affected me in every possible way. Same thing, I think, as well, complacency with relationships. Mm-hmm with friends, with family, with Courtney, um, you start to take things for granted. Mm. So for me, this complacency does extend to the take things for granted because you think, oh, it's always going to be there. You're always good at it. It's always easy. No, it's not. Because I think for me, I, I started to, I've lost focus in the past on what I had to do to get to where I am. Yeah. Now, for some people, the, the thought might be, using a metaphor of climbing a mountain, it's harder to get to the top of the mountain. No, I disagree. It's harder to actually exist up there. Yeah. So I've, the way I've overcome this was as I sort of touched on before, not allowing myself to think I'm on top of the mountain anymore. 
It's always got to be, well done, congratulations, you've achieved this. What's next? What's the next thing to go after that's going to lead to more growth, be it personally or professionally? Yeah. Which is part of what led to this podcast. Absolutely. And I think as well, I think what you're saying, Matt, is really true. And I can totally agree with all of it, um, personally, professionally, when it comes to weight loss, everything. And I think that it is so easy to get to hit a certain goal and then just just be left. And I know for me, I don't know about you, but I always found it really beneficial whenever you hit a certain goal, whether it be professionally or personally, to, yeah, celebrate hitting your goal, but set another goal. Oh, you have to. You have to ask what's next. Yeah, because otherwise that, that complacency can really come in. And I know that's what held me back um, early years of, of uh, my weight loss was I would I would hit a certain goal and then celebrate it and then that would be it. And then I would slowly start to go backwards. You undo it. Now, I, I'm fine with the celebration. I think you should celebrate and you should acknowledge mm. because it's too easy not to. Yes. And I've been guilty of that myself as much as anyone. So I'm all for acknowledging little wins and you know, progress that I make. But then it's like, righto, okay, now what? What, what am I doing to keep climbing? Mm. And that's where goal setting does come into it in terms of what's the next step towards whatever your end game might be. Um, or it might be what's the next big thing that I, that I value that I want to go after. Yeah. So goal setting on that subject is very important because it's not a case of pick a goal and go after it. Like it's got to be the right goal. Yeah. As in it's got to be emotional. It's got to be something you're attached to where the outcome is meaningful for you personally. Um, but I do, I did find that by thinking about what's the next step helped a lot to overcome complacency. And I've found personally, well, from my perspective, if I'm looking at myself, the last probably since the start of last year, I think I've had more professional progress in that 12 months than the previous five, six years combined. Wow. Just because the foot hasn't gone off the pedal, not yeah. one bit. In fact, it's gone on harder. Yeah. A lot harder. And that brings up a different problem, which is knowing when to switch off. Um, but that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. But I think I've had more progress, um, not actually not just professionally, but mentally between the years about how transformation works, about how I work, um, about how just the people that, that Courtney and I work with, the people that we help, how that all works, I think I've made more progress in, in all those areas in the last 12 months than the previous five years. Yeah, that's awesome. Just because I realized um, start of last year, end of the year before, that complacency was really a legitimate issue with me. Mm. It was legitimately something that was holding me back because I would get to a certain level and go, oh, fuck, I'm good. And I wouldn't always do it like, it wouldn't be a conscious thing. It would just manifest itself in habits. You know, I'd just slip. So the workouts, you know, you just, oh, that's enough today. Yeah. I'm not going to go quite as hard. I'm not going to run quite as fast. I'm not going to lift quite as heavy. Oh, I won't do those last two reps. Oh, no, I'll just eat this. You know, one, one, of, one little thing won't hurt. Ten little things won't hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, same thing with work. It would manifest itself in, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do much today. I'm mm. not going to see how people are going. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But you don't realize that 
well, for me, I didn't realize those habits were working against me until shit started going south. Yeah, of course. If that made sense. Like, you oh, never fuck. do. My pants are getting tighter. Yeah. My shirts are getting tighter in the wrong places. Yeah. Um, oh, our business isn't growing anymore. Yeah. And I think it's a constant battle. And I think you made the best point when you said we can all, all, always get caught in the idea of thinking that once we reach something, it's done. So once we reach the top of the mountain, it's it's done. I'll tell you something. Seriously, if if all you're focused on is the destination, I think you're missing the point. The actual the actual rewards with this come in the journey. Yeah. Because I know for me now, I'm so so far beyond my original destination. It's it's insane. Yeah. Because I just keep looking for what what's the next thing along the way. So for me, I mean, the, a cliche in our business, Courtney, is. Um, the journey is more important than destination. Mm. It is. It is. Because guess what? You never get to the destination really because you, you keep looking for the next thing. When you've got that right frame of mind, you keep looking for the next thing to help you get better and help you grow. Mm. No matter what area of your life that it's in. So if you focus on the destination and you forget about the actual journey, I think you're missing the point. And I think that's a great place to finish up. I like it. Great struggles and great tips. Well, hopefully that is that has helped. Yeah, I think I think that they would have helped a lot of people because I think that a lot of your struggles are really common struggles that people can relate to. And the good thing is about these struggles, I mean, we're we're really talking about them from a weight loss point of view, but the good thing about them and as you've mentioned, Matt, and a lot of these different struggles that haven't just affected you in terms of your weight loss they've affected other areas of your life so i think a lot of us can relate to to these these struggles whether it be about weight loss or other areas of our lives and um it's always really good as i said to get a, a different person's perspective on how they see the struggle and how they've dealt with it because it might be different to the way you approach it but one is not better than the other more is more knowledge is better. I would like to uh, hear from you if you have had any of these struggles yourself. Um, email me at podcast at the weightlosspodcast.com. Give me what your biggest struggles have been and how you've overcome them because I know I know for a fact I'm not the only person who's gone through these things, but I'd like to hear from you if there's any here that you can relate to. Mm. So email us or email me in particular, uh, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Speaking of which, Courtney, we have an email. Email Uh, time. Email has come to us from Maria. Thanks, Maria. Hello, Maria. She says, hi, Courtney and Matt. Thank you very much for your podcast. It's more helpful and inspiring than I can put into words. I look forward to every new one. Oh, that's great. So my question is how my body is changing. I've gone from sporadic gym visits to attending regularly, uh, as well as weight training on my own and with a trainer. So far in 2018, I've attended 34 times, which I'm ridiculously proud of. I feel fitter than ever before. I can lift heavier. I've improved so much already, but my stomach is weird now. Yes. It's gone from a kind of hard, fat belly to a very squishy one. I know it will be the last place to lose fat. I'm an apple shape. But I wondered how long this squishy, noticeable phase will last. 
or do you think it will be a common thing until next year? I also want to know what this means. Is it a positive step? I don't weigh or measure myself as I know from the past how demoralizing that is for me. To be honest, I haven't changed physically that much. But I can do more and that's good enough for me for now. Also, I've only been going for three months. Thanks, Maria. P.S. Yes, it is the number one weight loss podcast <laughs> and your accents are fantastic. There you go. Scientific proof that we're number one. I love it. Thank you, Maria. Now... So pretty much summing this up, Courtney, the question is, I've had a fat belly and now it's becoming squishy. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm really... Courtney, I can answer this, but I think you can too. Go for it. Well, we can both answer this. I'm really glad this has come up because it is something, a question or a concern, should I say, that comes up a lot. And a lot of people will go through this, Maria. So it's not just you. We both I've, have. We've both gone through this. Most of our clients have gone through this. They all do. A lot, almost everybody who's losing at least a really good fair chunk of weight will go through this. So what often happens to us when we are heavily overweight is our stomachs and, and for most of uh, the population, when we're heavily overweight, we carry a lot of, excess, of that excess weight on our stomachs, on our midsection. And it often, when it becomes enough fat build up there, it becomes not really rolly as a, as a such as it becomes one big roll. So it's just a barrel, one solid um, belly, and that's what happened to me, and, um, and that's me. what happened to Matt, and that's what happens to a lot of people. Now, what happens when you start to lose fat? is once it starts to get to lose from your midsection, from your torso area, it will go down and you will actually then get rolls. Um, one, two, maybe more. It depends on how your stomach is going to react to it. Now, the thing to remember is when you lose weight, you often, uh, weight loss isn't the most attractive thing. <laughs> it really isn't. And, Why and is that? fat doesn't... Uh, disappear in the most attractive ways or the way you want it to or the way you want it to it will it's different for every person i've seen people that have been very much in proportion and they've lost weight in a way which makes them incredibly pear-shaped so they've lost it in their upper body they've lost it around their bust around their shoulders around their arms around their upper torso and it's made their bottom torso it's made their hips and it's made their butt look 20 times bigger because of now they're sort of out of proportion and they hate it. Um, I've seen people like myself that had one uh, solid belly and then suddenly I've got back boobs and <laughs> I've got a spare tire. I tend to carry a lot of my abdominal weight um, and my lower abdomen. So really right at sort of my um, my undies sort of line back area. Boobs. Yeah, I do. It's a thing. So I've got these rolls that uh, tend to go just around the side of my back. Um, so that that have become more prominent as I've lost weight because I tend to lose weight on my upper torso first, so right underneath my bust, and my lower torso looks bigger. So it's yeah. It it you don't always lose weight in the most attractive ways. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about it. There doesn't matter how many crunches you do. <laughs> if we could design how we lost weight, 
Um, be laughing. Trust me, we would have programs up for you guys to follow uh, to make your life easier for you. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way. We have to deal with the way that our body is going to react. However, um, what this says to me, if you started with a, uh, a hard fat belly to a squishy one, it's gone squishy because you're losing fat in there. Correct. Um, so your skin has had to stretch to accommodate the fat accumulating. And that's why it's gone um, fat, hard, and tight. But think of it like a, uh, a water balloon where it was filled with water and now you're slowly um, draining the water out of the balloon. Look at how the balloon changes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot like your belly right now, Maria. So what it means is you are losing fat. Um, but as Courtney was sort of touching on before, you're going to go through a number of different body shape changes before your body settles and what its natural shape is. Yeah. So what you're going to find is that you are this. If you're getting a squishy belly, you're losing fat there. So high five, well done. Your body shape is going to change multiple times uh, along the way, and it's going to change in different weird and wonderful ways. So there'll be some times where your belly, in your eyes, may look worse than what it used to. Then three months after, it might look ten times better. Mm. I would say give this some time. Um, to see where your body settles. You might need a good you know, one to two years to see how this plays out, depending on how much you have to lose. Yeah. But it clearly means you are heading in the right direction um, because you know the body doesn't change itself on good intentions. No. So to me, this is a good sign because it means you are changing. As Courtney said, you can't control how you change because keep doing what you're doing because uh, clearly you're heading in the right direction. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and something I've discussed before, we both discussed this in a previous episode, Courtney, where we spoke about um, uh, excess skin, stretch yes. marks, etc., cellulite. Yes. Um, you don't know how your body's going to end up once you've sort of got to your quote-unquote final body shape, but just give it time and see what happens. Yeah, let, it, let yourself settle. Yeah, it's a work in progress still. As you said, it's only been three months. But you so are clearly progressing. You're clearly progressing. Don't overthink it. Don't panic. Just keep on trucking. Keep on doing what you're doing and allow your body to adjust with what you're doing. And um, keep taking photos. Yeah, yeah. So I I think not doing measurements, not doing, not doing um, the scales, no problem, but do photos. Yep. Photos do not lie. Uh, Courtney? That is a wrap. That's a show. Well done to you. Well done to you. So, again, you can email us at podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Yes. Hopefully, you get something out of this. We'd love to hear from you. So, get in touch and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.